0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Mike Usim, Jeffrey Klein, and Anne Greenhall. Welcome to Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Ann Greenhall, your host tonight. I'm here in the studio with my dear friend and colleague, Mike Hussein.
1: Hello, Ann.
0: Nice to see you, nice Mike. Nice to see you. And our colleague, Jeff Klein, is off for the evening. We actually, we have our first guest in studio. So why don't we jump right in and introduce our first guest? I'm going to say just a word or two, and that's Shelley Power, and Shelly is Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Ballet, and she's only been here for a few months, and we're really delighted to speak to her about her new role and what she is accomplishing there.
1: Totally. Shelley, welcome to the program. Very Thank
0: good. you. I'm Thank going you. to say a little bit about you, and you're going to, they're going to correct my pronunciation in case I get it wrong, but you've joined the Pennsylvania Ballet as CEO and Artistic Director, and before that, you served as, C- oh, excuse me, you were, you've joined the Pennsylvania Ballet this year, and previously you were CEO and Artistic Director at the International Ballet Competition Prix de Lausanne. Was that all right? Good job. I did all right on that? You okay, did fine. good. <laughs> Thank you. And before that, you <laughs> served for 12 years as the Administrative and Artistic Director of the Houston uh, Ballet Academy where you played a vital part of planning and building of a new facility that helped the organization expand. And you yourself are a former dancer.
2: Yes, all of the above. I think I've worn just about every hat possible in the dance world.
0: Well, if I may, I'm just curious, when you were very young, did you aspire from an early age to be a dancer?
2: Well, I took classes with my sister And this is when you took them in someone's basement in the neighborhood. And I really didn't like dance very much. And I'm not quite sure if it was because I had to take dance with my sister.
0: Okay. An older sister. An older, Uh seven years older. Okay. So she
2: was boss at that time. And maybe that's when I decided I wanted to be boss. I don't know. (laughs) But um, I had... uh, um, Really, it fell into my lap. I My grandmother was a hairdresser, and she worked in this uh, big old building, and I used to go up when my mother had her hair done once a week. Remember when they yeah, used to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked in the window of this storefront right next door, and there was this little lady, all very petite, with... Like blonde hair, and she had it rolled on top of her head. It looked like two big donuts, and she was dressed kind of strange—a little chiffon skirt—and there were all these kids running around. I looked in the window, and she took her pointer finger and called me in. And you know, I looked around, and this is when there wasn't stranger danger. Um, and um, I opened the door and went in, and. I fell in love with ballet, she really kind of became my teacher, <laughs> my mentor, my second mother um, and um, it was a when I look back and reflect it it was a pretty um amazing moment oh. that that I would have never ever dreamed that it would have Pushed me, But she saw talent in me. And, you know, when someone sees something, they see potential in you. Um, and they're able to harness that and kind of direct you because my parents knew nothing about ballet. Um, it um, I, I will remember that for the rest of my life. And it took me about 30 years to find her after many years of losing touch with her. And I got oh, to go yeah. back and thank her yeah. for that. Because oh, that's it, beautiful. It really did uh, awesome. catapult my career.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. So how old were you at that at that moment? Oh, seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. And had you been taking lessons in the basement before looking into that window? I did, and I
2: wanted nothing to do with ballet, and it was a little tiny mm-hmm. basement with one little tiny mirror. There were no other children there, and I just... It was, I think, it was the interaction with the other students, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, it was the right timing. Mm-hmm. And she chose you, <laughs> and
0: she chose right. me. That's lovely. Yeah. All right, so so you went through high school, and then how about your education at, at the after high school? Well, when you're studying to be a dancer, mm-hmm. your education years
2: ago, anyway, would mm-hmm. get pushed aside. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Nowadays, it's quite different. Um, you're able to do online courses. You can keep all your studies going uh, along uh, the, the same road as mm-hmm. you're studying to be a dancer. So unfortunately, during my high school years, when my teacher left, uh-huh. um, her name was Miss Kathy. When she <laughs> left, uh, I was kind of had no, uh, um, um, no way to get classes. And, and it was a, a rather difficult time for me. And it was high school years. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, OK, I don't, you know, I'm not going to continue this on. Um, but um, it took me a few years, so by the time I was like a senior in high school, and I started to drive and I could drive myself into Boston. And so I decided that this was something that I really wanted to pursue, and even though I had missed out on those years. So my education came alongside, but it was later. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't uh, get my degree till after I stopped dancing, and uh-huh. actually I had a business, and oh wow. Um, so it
0: came, it came later. Now I'll ask. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm hogging the floor here, but if I may, just one more question. Go Go for it. Uh, If you were dancing and then there was a little lull and then you picked up dancing again, that's also quite to your credit, because isn't it the case that most professional dancers are take an uninterrupted, streamlined yes um, trajectory. Definite had drive and motivation.
2: and to, I, I don't know if I was proving it to myself or, mm-hmm. or anyone else, but I knew this is the track I needed to be on. There was just, you know, I think within all of us, we have a knowing. We know mm-hmm. it. We may not always mm-hmm. listen to it, but we have a knowing. And um, that's when I started to... Really listen to that, and um, I was told by many people you're never going to be able to dance professionally. You're too old. Um, move yeah. on. Yeah. I went to New York. I was uh, went to Harkness Ballet. Mm-hmm. I got a scholarship, so I got a little bit of encouragement there. Um, and uh, then um, I got married, oh. and which was also rather unusual. Yes. Moved to Houston and um, didn't tell anyone I was married, and went and auditioned for Houston Ballet and. <laughs>
0: Um, the rest is history. Oh, very good. Mike, please join us. <laughs> yeah, well, Sheila,
1: I just want to comment on, on the reaction I had as you told the story about yourself. It's l- like you, like we would take it almost as a metaphor. You walk through a magic door, or you yeah. open a window, there's <laughs> light coming this direction, and it's like a different world. Mm-hmm. For for us mere mortals on my side of the <laughs> yeah. table here, That's that's like a metaphor, but you literally had that moment.
2: I did, and, and you know, whenever uh, I talk uh, to... Um, um, other people about um, because my whole career has been built on this idea of potential Mm. and what you can do with potential because I figured out myself and I think oftentimes it it just takes a mentor or somebody to open a door and it is uh, rather uh, literal by opening that door but it's figurative too and I don't think people realize when they do things like that how they're really changing people's lives
1: so, Shelley, understanding on the receiving side how important that is, I suspect you've mentored a couple dancers along the way.
2: Well, I hope so. I <laughs> okay. hope so. And, they, you know, they come back years later. It's like your first grade teacher. You know, your yeah. student comes back and tells the teacher or in college and says, you, don't, you know, you really changed my life. Yeah. You really made a difference. And so when I get those, it makes all That's those great. hard days really <laughs> That's easy.
1: why we're doing what we're doing. But let me um, ask about... What I think I know from the outside of of your world, which is that dancers tend to retire relatively early compared to most careers. This is true. So if you think about an accountant, engineer, they're going to be probably an accountant or an engineer or maybe something related to that for 40 or 50 years. Uh, Dancers probably by mid-20s or maybe 30, um, they move on. They do. Not unlike players in the National Football League or other Mm -hmm. arenas that come to mind. And I think professional dance companies have long obviously thought a lot about that. So help us understand what you have done or what your organizations have done uh, to help um, dancers when they're reaching the end of that early career and they know they're going to move on.
2: Well, I think it starts much sooner than that, and you have to start with them mm-hmm. at 16 mm-hmm. years old, and you have to have those conversations about longevity and career, and really um, um, prepare them for Plan B, Plan C. I have a mm. kind of a little grid. I work with them and say, okay, this is Plan A. This is what you want to do. But if Plan A doesn't work, what are you going to do with Plan B and Plan C? And then I, the other thing you really um, want to foster is whether they want to teach, whether they want to um, teach um, uh, um, choreograph and do mm-hmm. other things in the field and to be thinking about that along the road of being a dancer, which is sometimes hard because you really are, it's, it's all-encompassing, yeah. right? It's physicality, it's mental, it's music, it's learning and taking care. So um, the hope is that if you give that to them early enough and they're thinking about it as they bridge into being a ballet dancer... They've already started to mm. prepare for that. And then um, they, um, the dance community in of itself has put things in place that really do help dancers. There's career placement. Mm. There's uh, mm. reserves and company that help them um, uh, you know, financially train for something else. Some might want to be Pilates instructors. They might start out there. They may want to go back to school. Um, a little bit of a fund to help them go to the next level. but they're already thinking about it yeah. all the time that they're dancing because an injury can happen in a second. Mm. Um, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen in your life. It's quite an adventure, so you, totally. know, you have to be ready. We right. always have yeah. to be ready. Yeah.
1: I love your, your, your preemptive work with your dancers mm-hmm. to have an option B or a, even an option C in that at some age, and my guess is probably mid-20s is probably the end for many classical ballet dancers, uh, you yourself, did you have a plan B at that time to become mm. executive director of the Pennsylvania <laughs> Ballet?
2: I'll tell you what. Mm. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. I don't think I could have guessed in a million years that I would be artistic director of Houston Ballet Academy when I was in a school, even though I, when I was teaching. I could have never mm. guessed that I would be an executive director. <laughs> um, I think mm. I always had the interest. Uh, as a young child when I didn't get chosen for things to be the lead in this or that I was trying to figure out hmm what would I do for performances and I'd put this ballet together and I would have this scenery and and so I think I was yeah. always uh, thinking that but I I don't know how mm. conscious mm-hmm. I was about those interests other than I just loved mm. the behind the scenes mm-hmm. and it was until I got older and uh, had my own businesses and decided to go into nonprofit management. Did I understand the other component of actually running a ballet company mm-hmm. or running a school? Um, so it's um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, uh, it's, some, it's layered within mm-hmm. us. And as we finish one layer, the next <laughs> layer appears. <laughs> and if you're lucky enough to have someone open a door or mentor you, um, it kind of guides you along yeah. the way. If you're, if you're not worried about the outcome and you're enjoying the ride... <laughs> Um, and I think as dancers, that we don't know what the outcome is. I mean, every day a dancer goes into a studio, t- a choreographer yeah. comes in. You're in an audition, and so you're constantly performing. You're on. Um, talk about teaching yeah. focus. Well, yeah. Um, and, you know, we laughed about the military and, and dance, but, you know, it teaches you focus. Mm-hmm. You have to be on constantly. You may get five minutes off during your hour of work, but you're back in the studio and being learning choreography. And um, it's, it's quite a, it's a way to kind of um, build a, or train that muscle within you mm-hmm. to really the, the skills ballet teacher just to me amazing <laughs> as I look back through time. And, and I see what it's taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think every young child should be mm-hmm. having some exposure to what it feels like to be in a class and to be able to control your body and tell it what to do and focus and listen mm-hmm. and put it with
0: music. And there's so many great lessons to be learned mm-hmm. from that. It's really carried me. Yeah. Shelley, I might follow up on that. Just We talk, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we talk about uh, a core of ballerinas or dancers. And so that this is a show on leadership in action. (laughs) So I'm just curious if you think back for a moment on your time as a performer and as a member of a company, if you could just reflect on that, the teamwork, the collaboration, managing the tension between collaboration and competition and working together and getting ahead and just some of those dynamics that are that are just necessarily built into any group experience? Well, it's a really good question. And it's a great lesson uh, in mm-hmm. life to have to work in a
2: core yeah. and or mm-hmm. want to work in a core, right? Because you really do, um, you know, you're not speaking when you're dancing. And so you are physically aware, it's really a spatial awareness mm-hmm. of the people around you. And think about no matter what you do in your life, you've got people around you, mm-hmm. you walk down the street, there's a yeah. spatial awareness always, and you have you you know you're really on a lot. There's a lot of uh, feedback around you that you're having to manage, but you get very focused. Um, you the mm-hmm. co- the competition mm-hmm. part of it is part of life, mm-hmm. and I think dancers have to learn to push that aside. Some of them will be affected by that, and mm-hmm. it, it may slow them down, or it may become more of a challenge than the actual thing they're learning. yeah, And so you learn to manage what it feels to be competitive. But I guarantee you, you are more competitive as a dancer with yourself yeah. than you are with anyone else. Mm-hmm. You're looking in the mirror mm-hmm. constantly. You're trying to fix things. You're always trying to be the best you can be on a, on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And so dancers have to be very resilient. That's mm-hmm. part of it. And that's why it's not for yeah. everyone. But I will say through the learning process of mm-hmm. being a dancer, even in a school uh, room setting, mm-hmm. um, in a classroom for dance, um, you're learning those skills mm-hmm. and it, you're internalizing those lessons and it sort of co- becomes part of your body. Yeah. You know, it's a physical thing that you learn. Um, and I think you you do have to learn not to get too overwhelmed <laughs> by the idea that you're dancing with a whole lot of other people that you have to look a lot like and do exactly what they're doing and and really have a sense of what they're doing. but that is what teams do. Right. Uh, you know, right. you're kind of, you're working mm-hmm. together to make um, a whole and to make something look mm-hmm. magical yeah. and impressive mm-hmm. and awesome.
0: Right. Where the whole is greater than the sum, yes. the sum of the parts. And then maybe one more question, then back to Mike. Um, on those occasions, when, when a dancer takes a lead role, is there that sense that that dancer, in a, in a sense, is one of the leaders in the company? Does that sense go along with the lead role?
2: Well, they're either a leader in the company or learning to be a leader in the company. And sometimes Mm -hmm. an artistic director will give a core dancer a lead role to push them to see if they can rise to the occasion. And so here you are, provided with an opportunity, and you better be prepared. Mm -hmm. And here's your moment, Mm because they don't come all that often, but Mm -hmm. they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Our artistic director, Angel Corella, is very good about that, because he knows if he doesn't challenge his... He looks at... I love this because he talks about he looks at his whole company as everybody's principal dancers. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. they, has, mm-hmm. they have to rise to the occasion mm-hmm. and, and he pulls when they're ready. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have that sense mm-hmm. when you're teaching, you know, your teachers, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, when someone's ready for the information or ready for the challenge and mm-hmm. kind of listen to that intuitive um, um, uh, moment when mm-hmm. when you you want to give someone that lift and say, mm-hmm. OK, it's your turn.
0: And do they lead by example when they're in that lead role?
2: Absolutely. I mm-hmm. think any uh, when you're on stage and you're having to perform, um, you know, you might make mistakes. You may fail. It's a live performance, and that's the beauty of it. And I think people look for perfection, but there's something really human about it when someone has a little fall and picks themselves yeah, back up right. and keeps going. And people get charged up about that because. Yeah. That's in all our lives. You've got to pick yourself <laughs> yes, up. Exactly. But, you know, It may be magical to watch a performance, mm-hmm. but the truth of it is it is a live performance, mm-hmm. and they are human. And they bring something to stage, and, and I think that's the challenge. It's not to dance like someone else. It's to take yourself mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. a role like an actor mm-hmm. and put yourself on stage. And um, so I, th- I think for the rest of the company... That the core surrounds that principal mm-hmm. dancer, and they feel a part of that mm-hmm. because they have to lift the the principal dancer up, mm-hmm. and the <laughs> principal dancer yeah, thats right—has to lift them up mm-hmm. as well. Yes, right. So it's a great yeah. responsibility. It's a yeah. it's a beautiful sense of teamwork, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I think uh, watching that happen mm-hmm. and actually come to fruition on the stage, as you watch the process, is pretty magical.
0: Yeah. Mike.
1: All right, Shelley, we're going to take a break in just a couple of minutes, but to think out loud for a few minutes on moving from a dancer Mm -hmm. to artistic director, Right. I'm thinking it's not unlike what many of our listeners have gone through. Maybe they began as an engineer, and now they become a manager of engineers. So what did you learn as you moved from being on stage to arranging for people to indeed under your artistic direction— to perform on stage. And as they often say, Anne, in business, it's an art to do that. But uh, in this case, it is an art, period. <laughs> yes.
2: Very true. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when, when you're dancing on stage, many of the, the skills, and I had a, not a very long career because I was older, and, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to teach. I had that sense mm-hmm. of teaching. I think you take those skills into um, every, every role that, that you have. But that said this compromise, right? I mean, when you're managing people, that's a whole nother skill set. I think because I ran a school for so mm. long, I have to tell you I learned more from the teenagers that I counseled in career did career counseling than I could have ever imagined that I would learn. That that set me up with working with every mm. adult in the world because inside you know, dancers present themselves as these very composed people, but they're very young. I mean they're <laughs> very, very young, but they carry great loads. Um, I think my shift was i um I had an interest in it. I liked the way um, things were put together. I liked the um, idea of being part of something greater. um i I certainly like the idea of not having the pressure of the stage all the time, but um certainly to learn to manage and work with other people seemed to be kind of a natural next step. Now, being an artistic director, people looking for you to you for artistic direction, but there's awful there's an awful lot of people work that goes with that that I think most artistic directors aren't always prepared for, especially someone like Angel Corella who had this international incredible career mm-hmm. to have to move from mm. dancing till he was older, retiring and taking over a company, then suddenly there's Fundraising and there's meetings and there's boards, <laughs> and, you know, all those. <laughs> we things, know about meetings, right? <laughs> yeah, we've had many meetings. That that it, it's comprised of. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a different energy, um, and um, I think there's always that adjustment. But I'll have to say, over the years, artistic directors um, have become much more savvy about the administrative side. Mm -hmm. And I think what was very unusual for me in running um, the Houston Ballet Academy was that I had artistic and administrative um, directorship, Mm. which is very unusual across the country and and maybe the world. They usually Mm. split those roles, Mm. such as I am in a split role now. but what, what worked well for me is I was able to drive the artistic product and make change and be responsible for the administrative side.
1: Uh, Shelley, great to be in dialogue with you. And I'd like to just spend a bit uh, more of our dialogue in and around your work as an artistic director. And let's start with how you, how you help dancers audition. To bring, how, how do you help them perform their best? And in part two, what are you looking for when they are performing? You've got, obviously, some very tough choices to make. You have to make them well. We often say that, that the biggest decision you make are the people you put on the stage, whether in a business or mm. in a troupe here. So anyway, um, let's take the latter part. What, what do you look for uh, when people audition? Then we'll go back to how do you prepare them to do their best?
2: Good question. I, um, You know, potential. Hmm. If you had a yardstick and you looked at potential when you looked at a dancer, you look and you look for certain things. Um, so you walk into a room, How are they? F- how, what's your first impression? It's like any kind of interview that you have. You're going to make it in seven seconds and go, hmm. hmm. You look at them and then you see how they react. Are they looking at you in the eye? So some of those social cues come first, but then you sit down Mm -hmm. and you start going around. You can't look at everyone. I mean, you may walk into an audition with 60 people in a room, Mm -hmm. so you can't stop at each one. But there will be people that that stand out by their mere presence. you know, we can't get away from the fact that ballet is an aesthetic, and it is their instrument, and mm-hmm. so how they carry themselves. And it doesn't mean they have to be of the perfect body, mm-hmm. but it's what they do with that immediately mm-hmm. when they take their positions and when um, how they approach their work. And you can kind of see it pretty quickly in the older dancer, how they're approaching the work, whether they've had a good foundation, mm-hmm. whether you have potential to build on that, how how far do you think that their trajectory for their career mm-hmm. is going to go? Of course, everyone's looking for principal dancers, but sometimes you're looking for really strong core dancers that mm-hmm. are going to be able to be hardy and manage things and mm-hmm. be part of a team. It's very hard to do in a two-hour audition, um, but after years of doing it and doing it, you kind of get um, used to the idea when you walk into an audition that it's like anything else, auditioning for you know, a movie, an interview. You don't know how many people before you have come for this job. Mm-hmm. You just have to be yourself. And that's probably the biggest challenge <laughs> is to bring yourself in the room and not mm-hmm. try to be something for someone else. Because as soon as you start trying to be someone that you're not, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. You're not going to manage yourself well.
1: Mm-hmm. And Shelley, that kind of goes back to the other part of this sort of twofold agenda you want to make an evaluation but you also want to bring the best out of the dancers so you can pick the best so to help them be themselves to be their best in front of you what what goes into that
2: well, you start again when they're students, when they're 16 and 17. Of course, they've had, you know, many, many years. They, they'll tell you at 16 that I've been dancing for 12 years, and mm. you kind of yeah. think, what? <laughs> um, but it's true. And um, so you have this 16-year-old, and you have to prepare them through. I mean, first of all, you're prepared in your class. A choreo- You invite a choreographer to come in choreographer is going to pick who he wants. This is exactly the process this dancer is going to go through for years and years and years. Mm. And so you have to be resilient. You have to know that this is not my time, that Mm -hmm. this is my time. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. because you're in it for something more than just getting chosen at that moment, you may be the second cast. You may be the third cast, um, but you're getting the opportunity to learn these things and to improve in your craft and your skill. And so um another part of it is just is talking the students through it. Um we had a psychologist at the school come in and talk about performance anxiety, stress management, meditation, um how to get yourself prepared for an audition. Um I certainly went to auditions, you know, a hundred years ago and I had no preparation <laughs> yeah. and mm-hmm. I didn't have anything that I had headphones on listening to music to calm me mm-hmm. down or I didn't have those skills. But we really, really concentrate on that to get them prepared. Uh, to be able to manage the rigors of an audition, uh, to manage their nerves. And, um, of course, by giving them more performance on stage when Mm -hmm. they're younger, 17, 18, 19 years old, again, they're preparing for that. Um, There's always disappointment. and. You know, dancers will go, they'll go off to a competition or they'll come back or they've had a bad performance they feel like, mm-hmm. um, you know, they got to pick themselves mm-hmm. up and move on to the next uh, role or the next night. Um, it's It's really a skill that they have to get used to, but it takes years to do that, and some are better than others.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate what you said about that some choreographers may be looking for certain types of dancers, certain way of dancing, and so... It's not necessarily personal. Sometimes, Mike, I like to say when students apply to the University of Pennsylvania and they don't get in, I tell them, do not take it personally, because there are so many students who are qualified who've applied and have not gotten in. Of course, when they do get in, I tell them to take it personally, (laughs) (laughs) that we really wanted them. (laughs) Yes. So I'd like to pick up on the thread of the artistic experience and the administrative experience. And you had that opportunity when you were at the Houston Academy. Is that? Houston Ballet Academy. Ballet Academy. Academy? Yes. Academy. Uh-huh. And then did tell me then how that prepared you for your next position.
2: Well, I think at that point I always knew I wanted to be an executive director at some point. Mm-hmm. But I also felt like the artistic part of it was I going to be able to let go of that to just move into the executive role mm-hmm. as and have an artistic director and have a partnership. Mm-hmm. So when the, the job at the Prix de Luzon, which is yeah. a international ballet competition, one of the oldest in the world, offered the job of artistic director and CEO, ah. I thought this was a next great mm-hmm. step for me to experience both sides again, but at a different level. And so mm-hmm. um, after I, I, I did that, I I was in an office atmosphere. Um, I wasn't with a company. I wasn't with schools because I was recruiting students to compete. Oh. And we were giving them access into Paris Opera, Royal Ballet oh, uh, wow. companies all over the world. And so um, I missed that being in connection with the dancers and with the students and with the school. Um, the good news is, coming into Pennsylvania Ballet, um, I, I during my interview process, we talked about this, and I said, I cannot erase that I've been in the artistic arena, and I'm going to take that with me, um, and I hope to enhance what I do to understand yeah. what you want to do, on right. hell. And so mm-hmm. he was so open to it. Um, and we are starting right now to really build a great relationship, and I think it's helping him realize his goals, and that gives me a lot of satisfaction, and it's rather fulfilling to see how excited and what he wants to do. So I feel like I'm still doing some artistic. I'm helping with the school because that's second nature to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, But I'm also getting to do that um, management and, and, and um, uh, executive level leadership right. that I so wanted to do without being in a role where it was just about my role. Now I get to be a part of everyone's role in a sense mm-hmm. that helping each of those individuals rise and become champions, if you will, in their own roles. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I, I loved being at Houston Ballet Academy because I was given that opportunity to rise to the highest level I could. Yeah. And um, having experienced that, um, I think being at the um, in this new role that I have, yeah. I'm able to hopefully right. um, inspire that um, for everyone else. Very good. Mike.
1: Shelley, just to help us appreciate what it's like to be in your shoes, why don't you take us to work one morning? What happens at 9 o'clock when you get to work, and how do you wrap up the day at the end?
2: Well, it depends. We have two locations, and, and uh, we're we're at South Broad and North Broad, so sometimes mm. I'm walking back mm. and forth a lot right now. But we hope to be together that uh, to put us all in the Great. same building someday. But for the time being, I go to an office, and... Um, You know, you start the day with um, probably a breakfast uh, meeting. (laughs) You start the day, uh, you go into meetings with senior staff, and then you go into planning meetings, and then I'm off to lunch. I'm either meeting with donors, or I'm meeting with board members, or I'm meeting with uh, community partners. Um, certainly now I'm spending a lot of time meeting the foundations and really getting Mm -hmm. out to learn. Um, You know, at first I came in learning about the internal organization. Mm -hmm. Now I'm learning about the external partnerships that we have. Mm And so that's exciting to me Mm because I love to learn. So um, good thing. And then um, afternoons, I may run over to the studio. I may take a donor to go see a rehearsal. Um, I may be interviewing a school director with Angel. Uh, We would have artistic initiatives that we're working on. I have many, many committee meetings with the board, getting to know how they function. And uh, to work on next steps, strategic plans, and artistic Mm. initiatives, Mm. and all of those exciting things. And then oftentimes I'm off to a dinner. Great. (laughs) Oh, boy. And
1: maybe a performance (laughs) or two in the evening. And
2: then we have performances like we do coming up next week. Oh, boy.
1: So to stay with that for uh, a couple more minutes and a couple directions, (laughs) I forget who said this, but in a, a little bit cynically looking back on his own life. He said, you know, I've concluded that history is just one darn thing after another. (laughs) And the analog would be here. Some people in administrative life say um, life at the office is one difficult decision after another. So great meetings, wonderful performances. But my guess is your day also has uh, sometimes straightforward decisions, but sometimes some Mm, thorny ones. What's one of the tougher kinds of decisions you have to make?
2: Well, that's a good question. I think we're early on, but mm-hmm. certainly if you have to say no to an artistic initiative because you don't have the funding mm-hmm. or that, that certainly mm-hmm. is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, um, Pennsylvania Ballet right now is really on the verge of becoming one of the top 10 companies. And, um, you know, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of work and a lot of planning and a lot of, uh, financial stability and, mm-hmm. and building that foundation. So, um, I think it's difficult because I want to run, and sometimes you have to learn to walk first. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think sometimes I have to sit back and, and slow down a bit. And, you know, sometimes you have to slow down to go fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we say that in ballet, too. Yeah, okay. Slow down so you learn how to go
0: fast. Mm-hmm. Same in business. Yeah. Yes. So I'm just curious, then, uh, you made an, just a very interesting comment about how your past experience has prepared you for this current role. So your experience as an artistic director, and now you're working with an artistic director. And right away, I can see, imagine how that could be an enhancement, because you understand what the work entails. It could also be, and not in this case, a potential liability, where knowing where I begin and my artistic director ends could be a challenge. So how do you how do you go forward trying to carve the roles and responsibilities and expectations so that you work really well as a top team i think number 1 my job as ex- executive director
2: um, I have so many layers and things that I have to be worrying about or working working towards myself <laughs> that uh, you have to separate. You can't do yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think having a good relationship with your artistic director mm-hmm. and having good communications, it always comes down to that. You have to be transparent. You have mm-hmm. to... Talk to one another. Mm-hmm. You have to share what you're thinking. Um, you have to be able to be honest and mm-hmm. trust one another, mm-hmm. and that takes a while mm-hmm. uh, to build and to know one another. But it's kind of a dance. Yeah, Sorry to use that. Is. Mm-hmm. There is this dance mm-hmm. that you do, mm-hmm. and um, I'm, you know, I, I think I've got because I had the opportunity to be um, in the artistic world. Mm-hmm. I've got my boundaries pretty good because I know what it's like to be on that side That's and, true. <laughs> and have someone step in and want to be in my shoes or mm-hmm. make decisions mm-hmm. for me. And so I think I've got a good pulse on mm-hmm. when and, and when I feel like I have. I'm always um, I think you learn this as a student, even mm-hmm. with your teacher or your artistic director. I'm always asking and, and making sure I'm communicating and get to get that pulse mm-hmm. between the two of us to make sure.
0: Now, I'm going to ask a question, Mike, that's going to remind um, me of you and ask about the board. That's usually one of your areas of questioning. So as as the executive director, uh, just thoughts or advice for others who may be dealing with a board, just from your experience.
2: Well, first, I think that I would say it's not really dealing with them. Okay. And so I probably, in my mind, I'd like to think about it, and, and I don't think I'm being too idealistic. Mm-hmm. Maybe some mm-hmm. would say that is it's. I'm really working on building relationships. Mm-hmm. So everyone has their story, and they all come to ballet uh, to, to be part of a board because they've got a thread. There's some kind of story there, and when you understand that about someone... And I think because I've worn the hat on so many different sides of the table, being a student, being a dancer, being a mother of a dancer, being a board uh-huh. member, being a school director, being an artistic director, being a mm-hmm. teacher, all of those things prepared me from be, to be able to understand perhaps at least to have empathy of where they're coming from. And so when you understand when someone comes onto a board that's extremely passionate, and it could be about finance, it could be mm-hmm. about their own link to dance, it could be what they think community engagement should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's many, many levels. It could be because of they want to build Philadelphia and build the community and make sure there's a well-rounded culture, they all come with some passion. You don't join a board because you're bored. You (laughs) join a board because you've got (laughs) passion and and you want to be Mm -hmm. able to do something. So I want to harness that passion and direct it. Now, that's not to say you don't have difficult conversations or difficult Mm -hmm. times that a board goes through. Mm -hmm. But you have to have, I mean, that's with any relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you get over that first speed bump of a (laughs) relationship, then... There's you know, there's an honesty when you have conflict, you learn something about one another.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you can get over that speed bump <laughs> and and you're okay and you're not too bruised and and you can build a relationship from there, you know that's the best you can ask for. I mean, mm-hmm. we're humans, right? and and trying to make it into something it's not. We're all human beings. And mm-hmm. so hopefully, you know we we can um, all forge Mm -hmm. forward with the same idea that we're here to build Pennsylvania Ballet. Mm -hmm. And that's our main goal.
0: So what might be your hopes for the future then for the ballet?
2: Well, I imagine um, a beautiful new home, a building where we're all in the same place. Mm -hmm. um, To be able to walk in and hear that music and Mm -hmm. see all of those children. If we had more studios, we'll have more children that we can engage with. Um, I really look Mm -hmm. forward to building community engagement because I have a really deep belief that if we don't, and I may be singing to the choir here, but um, if we don't provide the tools um, to our children in many different ways, you know, there's all of the uh, emotional intelligences, mm-hmm. all of those different ways. It's just like, you know, you're training to be an athlete, right? You're not going to just do one bit of training. You're going to lift weights. You're going to run. Mm-hmm. You're going to do aerobics. It's the same for children. Mm-hmm. They need as much as they can at their fingertips to build mm-hmm. their their inner self and mm-hmm. to be strong and confident. And we all find different ways to do that. So I hope to see 50,000 students. Oh, wow. Coming through and experiencing (laughs) in a different way, whether it's a performance, Mm -hmm. whether it's a dance class, whether it's a lecture, it's a career, planning its Nutcracker, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. I just think that there's so Mm -hmm. many opportunities to engage. I hope to see um, the company grow, uh, the company of dancers grow, and to continue to be um, an international company where people come to Philadelphia to be part of a company and they get incredible rep and <laughs> opportunity to dance with that orchestra yeah. and to be able to dance in the Academy Theater. Those are all things that, you know, we're making memories here in people's lives and those are fun and exciting and, um, and then to build audiences. Mm-hmm. You've got to think about mm-hmm. that new generation that's coming up and they yeah. engage quite differently than... The older generation, I think I'm part of that older generation now, (laughs) I'm afraid. But Mm -hmm. we have to learn from them on how they're going to engage and stay engaged Mm -hmm. and keep the uh, art form alive.
1: Shelley, uh, picking up on what you've just said, you're living your dream, and it's great to hear your (laughs) dreams for the future. And for listeners who are of a certain age where the kind of decisions you've gone through that have led you to this particular position are ahead of them, with the benefit of looking back on your decisions to become a dancer, to become an artistic director, to become an executive director, what advice would you have somebody who's at the near side of that, that pathway? It's ahead of them, and if they say, "Shelly, give me some advice, what guidance would you have? What would you offer up?
2: Um, I think you have to have courage, and you have to have courage to know that there's uncertainty and there's going to be a lot of things you huh. don't know. I think you have to have, um, you get a risk, Mm -hmm. you know. When I moved to Switzerland, I thought, I must be crazy. Why am (laughs) I doing this? But it seems so exciting. I learned so much Mm -hmm. being a part of another culture. And I think it's the not knowing is knowing that you don't know that's the adventure and (laughs) how you're going to react. And for me, that's a challenge. And Mm -hmm. if you're really up for a challenge or you can't sugarcoat any of that. You have to prepare yourself that you're going to have ups and downs and you're going to learn to um, manage yourself because this isn't about what other people think about you. Um, You know, I had a great piece of advice that it's none of your business what other people are thinking about. (laughs) Hmm. That is good.
0: And I love that because
2: (laughs) the only business it is, is what you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. And so I think you just have to have be brave and have a little bit of courage and and know what you know and understand what you don't know.
1: And, Shelley, to stay on that for a second, as a dancer, you have a head start for several reasons. I'm becoming an artistic director of a dance company. But could somebody not have danced professionally move into the kind of position you have now? That's a good question, Mike.
2: Well, you know, first of all, I was artistic director of a school and not a company. So it's a little bit different and the skill yeah. set is different. And that's for the exact reason, probably I wasn't an artistic director of a fifty mm-hmm. you know com- mm-hmm. member company. Um, I was an artistic director of a school because I ran a lot of schools, and I had my own commercial schools, and then I worked in mm-hmm. nonprofit. Um, and so I think um, uh, that um, that's probably the most important thing to know is that um, when you're and I think I'm getting lost on the question, but
1: you no, know, but whether whether mm-hmm. some kind of direct pr- professional experience in dance mm-hmm. is a prerequisite for oh, becoming I see. Right. Mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. director mm-hmm. of a dance mm-hmm. company.
2: So I, I think depending, you know, I was really lucky to get this opportunity to be able to do the artistic, and, and it's a rare opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think it'll happen more and more because people mm-hmm. understand both sides of the coin now differently. So it may be quite different, but... To answer your question, being you know, being a professional dancer with a long career, so if you've been a principal dancer, you're probably going to be able to coach and manage principal dancers at that level. Mm -hmm. If you haven't been and you've been you know just a core, not just but you've been a core dancer and you haven't had that responsibility of a principal role, that might be a little bit more of a challenge. But I have to say, um, I've seen dancers that have been core dancers that have been soloists that didn't rise to principal be incredible choreographers that they bring that Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. a company or they run a company as a choreographer Mm -hmm. so it isn't a prerequisite for that and that should not Mm -hmm. stop you because you just never know I mean as I told you I was told you'll never be a dancer, you know, and although I was an apprentice with Houston Ballet Mm -hmm. and then I went on to teaching right away because I was older, I didn't spend a lot of time in the company, um, I look back at that knowing that I was being prepared for something. When when you learn that, when when you fail or or when you come to a a roadblock, it puts you in a Mm -hmm. different direction, and suddenly you're doing, you're finding out those other skills that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think artistic directors... Many of them have um, had pretty good careers that are in that role. Mm-hmm. Mine was a little bit different where I was mm-hmm. running a school or then I was running an international competition. So it's quite mm-hmm.
0: different than mm-hmm. running a company, mm-hmm. to be really clear and fair to
1: all the artistic yep. directors yep. Yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Great.
0: So, Shelley, we have just a couple minutes, um, but I just am interested, are, there, are you finding lots of girls and lots of boys, young boys, getting interested in ballet? What's the... You know, it's demographic. It cycles around, but I okay. have to say, because choreography has
2: become so um, male-centered uh, with physicality, mm-hmm. that I have seen a sh- huge shift in the number of boys that are participating in dance. It's not just that you were walking on stage and holding the ballerina and turning her. Now the men have really, really heavy roles Mm. like the girls do. (laughs) And so there's a really good balance. So I think there's an appeal. Um, I think there are a a lot of boys. There's never enough, however. (laughs) And so, um, you know, that entry level is tough because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. But I think the image is changing somewhat. I think the Mm -hmm. world's changing Mm -hmm. a lot since the day Nureyev or Baryshnikov right. right. or any of those dancers, they help pave that way. Yeah. And it's it's slowly uh, changing. But certainly the percentage is more of girls that go into ballet at the beginning than boys. Shelly, no. we've
1: only got a couple yeah. seconds, but your favorite ballet. Oh,
2: good question, Mike. <laughs> it's Swan Lake is because it was the first ballet that I got to dance Aww. on stage. Hey. Um, it, it always has been one, one of my great favorites. Um, I would say though that I um, we have Balanchine jewels coming up um, for Pennsylvania Ballet at the Academy uh, May tenth um, opening, and I think it's it's an absolutely iconic, beautiful Balanchine ballet. Um, but there's a lot of contemporary work I love too. I love innovative contemporary work. I know next season we're going to have a few of Yuri Killian's work. Who he's his work mm. is just. It, you know, it's not the, the story uh, ballet, but there's a story in it. It's a one-act <laughs> ballet that you're going to take an emotion away that, you know, it provokes things within us that... Um we don't get every day. You know, live performance is pretty special. It
0: is. So, Shelley, just uh, share with our listeners how can they learn more about the Pennsylvania Ballet, whether or not they're here here in Philadelphia or far-flung. <laughs> well, certainly
2: if you're here in Philadelphia, come to the Academy Theater and see <laughs> mm. Jules, because that's how you learn about the ballet. Mm-hmm. You see the dancers. You see the people. We have a prelude uh, um, talk before <laughs> the performance where you get yeah. to learn about the ballet and the history and all of that. Otherwise, you certainly can go to our website, Pennsylvania Ballet.org, and
0: uh, get full information there for tickets or just to learn about the ballet. Very good. Well, Shelley, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It really was a pleasure. Thank you so <laughs> much for being here both to, to both of you. For more insight from business radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.